You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast, featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Battalion Chief Brian Mulry. Today's episode looks at a recent operation in Upper Manhattan. Our units were met with heavy fire on the fifth floor of a six-story multiple dwelling in the early morning hours. The volume of fire made the fire escapes impassable, necessitating rescue to be performed via ladders, life-saving rope, and through the interior. I'd like to welcome our guests, Battalion Chief Tom Fitzgerald, Battalion 16, Lieutenant Rob Brown, Squad Company 41, and Lieutenant Rich Davin, Ladder Company 23. Welcome, gentlemen. All you guys are first-time guests, so we usually give a quick fire department bio, how long you've been around and where you work. Tommy, we can start with you. All right, I'm coming up on uh, 34 years. I started out in the Bronx as a firefighter, then Manhattan as a lieutenant, Queens as a captain, and back to Manhattan as a battalion chief. Coming up on 25 years, I'm a lieutenant assigned to Squad 41 in the South Bronx, which also covers Harlem. And I was a lieutenant for a little over 10 years in Ladder 120 in Brownsville, Brooklyn. And prior to that, I was a firefighter in Engine 58 and Ladder 26. My name is Rich Davin. I have uh, 33 uh, years on the job. I spent 16 years in uh, Brooklyn in the Crown Heights section of, of the borough and been up in Harlem uh, for almost 17 years. How long do you have in rank now? Uh, 18 years, 18 <laughs> just about, yeah. So experience so. wasn't an issue at this far. <laughs> yeah. Tom so. Fitz, how long do you have as a chief also? 13. Certainly a, a lot of experience for this job. Let's get into it. I love these type podcasts. I like picking apart operations because I learn so much. I think they're really beneficial for everybody. This fire had a lot going on. For this one, I figured our focus, that's why I brought the officers from the floor above. Because the majority of, of what happened at this fire, I would say, you know, the first two units did a tremendous job. The engine operations, they had a hard stretch, but there were multiple people trapped on the floor above, really adverse conditions. And uh, I thought we'd maybe try and make that our focus. I'd like to talk about the building construction. It's a unique part of the city, that area. Tom, give us a quick overview of the building. It was more like a U-shape than an H, six-story, non-fireproof. And when people talk about the success of the operation, I, I always credit the building construction. We had very limited exposure to the floor above, and I, I credit the building. It, it could have been a lot worse had it uh, had an avenue to get up and then into the cock loft, which it did not. So the main focus was then just on all the 1045s, because once they got water on the fire, it went out relatively quick. But it was a tremendous amount of fire on arrival. Yeah, it was heavy fire, and the fire was blocking the fire escapes. Yeah, so the off apartment on the top floor where most of the 1045s were, like you said, was blocked. They had no way out. They couldn't get down the fire escape. And the interior stairs was not an option either. Maybe we'll start talking about it in order of arrival. Because I had second new ladder company, Lieutenant Rich Davin. Yeah. With 23 truck. We knew pretty early on heading up Broadway that we were going to work. We turned the corner and it was ripping. From the way I came in, it looked like it might have been the corner apartment. But I wasn't sure. Ascending the stairs, 34 chauffeur had already put the aerial ladder up to the off apartment. Yeah, they had people at the windows. He had transmitted to me that his outside vent was uh, reporting that there were more people in the apartment. Before show for the ladder two three, be advised, the two people that were taken out of the window are saying that there's two more people in that apartment, guys. 
I ascended the stairs. I, I stopped at the, the fire floor to see where First Do Truck Company was going into. They had control of the fire apartment door. So I knew what apartment I needed to get to on the top floor. When we got to the top floor, it was it was lights out, uh, charged with heavy smoke condition. Right. So we, uh, we, we immediately masked up and uh, got into the apartment. When I got to the front of the apartment, it was starting to auto-expose, you know, coming up from the uh, fire floor. I could feel heat, but as Tom said earlier, the building saved it in that regard, yeah. in that it didn't extend through the floor. And that's when, uh, you know, things get a little, uh, yeah. little hairy. Um, <laughs> well, they do have, they've got some advantages. They're well-built. Yes. But all oh, that's complexities too. Would you say five-bedroom apartments? The fire apartment and the apartment directly above the fire were five-bedroom apartments. They were large apartments. So an exhaustive search was needed, yeah. I listened to the, the radio transmissions, and I looked at the videos on social media. It had to be a really arduous stretch for the first two engine companies because they had to go all the way into the throat. It was a deep throat, and then they had to make their way back to the front of the building. So, I mean, it's going to take a while. So, the uh, engine companies did a great job. Yeah, yeah, These absolutely. are tall buildings, so there's a lot of people in these big buildings. There's and, nothing uh, but big buildings. Yeah, so the, the stretch of not only the first due line but the second due line was uh, – it was done very well. Yeah. Were you getting reports of people trapped at that point? I, I don't think the Manhattan dispatcher had given that there were people trapped. When I was ascending the stairs, I, I knew that there, there were people in, uh, in danger. So we got up there and I got into that apartment. We were doing a search and basically my inside team, my, my irons and then my can, we, we spread out throughout the apartment. We came back. We probably did the apartment a couple of times. Yeah. You know, so there were, there were reports from 34's OV that he had more people in the apartment, which turned out to be the off apartment. I can't tell you chronologically when my roof firefighter made his transmission that, that he had somebody at the window on the top floor in the shaft. It probably wasn't that long no, after. No, it was early on. Yeah, it, it was very. It was on. pretty early on, like almost like when I arrived. It happened very shortly after I arrived. Yeah. You're coming down the block now. So sort of like, well, you see the people hanging out. It was reported as a fire, but the only thing the dispatcher told us, they had two different addresses just to verify upon arrival. Yeah, other than that, no reports of people trapped, and yeah. you would think the phones would be lighting up, but I guess it was early morning, so we didn't get that. But, um, yeah, it was out two windows on arrival, pretty heavy fire. 34's aerial was already up to the top floor, and I believe they pulled the two people out either while I was walking down the block or prior to my arrival. Right. Rob showed up with Squad 41. By that time, the radio was starting to light up with 1045s, people trapped on the top floor. And now you knew there might be a roof rope rescue. Did you um, go with the extra engine and truck at this point? Yeah, just based on the volume of fire, I went okay. with it pretty fast. And then um, I asked Rob to take Squad up to the top floor because that's where most of the reports of the trapped people were coming in. I think 34's roof called me first, and I didn't really hear the transmission, so I asked him to repeat it. And that's when uh, Abe Miller from 23 called and said, we have somebody at the top floor, we're going over. So at that point, I contacted Rob and asked him to go to the roof to assist with the uh, roof rope rescue. Uh, perfect segue into to you, Rob. And just for some of our audience, too, every 1075, we get four engines, three trucks, the rescue and the squad. Correct. You're the lieutenant in the squad company. Tell us what the squad does for some of the people that don't know. A squad company is a, an engine, and we have a first alarm 
assignment where we operate as an engine like any regular company in their, in their normal area. We also carry tools for specialized extrication, technical rescue, water rescue, hazmat, and the company members go through extensive training in those areas. And uh, we're all trained to the Tech 2 level in hazmat world. We can address pretty much any need that the incident commander asks us to. And we work in teams, which allowed us to operate the way we did at this fire. Yeah, let's get into that, um, because it's just what you said. Yeah. In this instance, we needed yeah. trucks. <laughs> yep. Just like these two gentlemen uh, said earlier, you know, the engine companies did a tremendous job at this fire. And I don't think Ladder 23 or Squad 41 could have operated the way that we did and aggressive as we did, had they not been able to be as aggressive and efficient as they were in stretching the lines. We kind of can paint the picture of who the players are before we come in. We have an advantage that I can listen to the radio transmissions uh, a few blocks out. So we knew that there was a lot going on. And then uh, when we did pull up onto the block, we saw the fire pushing out very heavy out of two windows, but then also like spitting out fire on occasion. And when I first was walking up to the command post, my first concern was for their safety on the on the floor above and making sure that that was probably the most critical spot in this fire at that point. Why do you say that? Just for like some of the listeners that aren't used to six stories. The fire was on the uh, floor below, the top floor. It appeared to be auto-exposing like any other building, but the way that these buildings were made, there was a gap between the brick of the outside of the limestone of the building and the window itself. So if it's directly in line with, there's no protection. So the way that the fire was pushing out was actually beneficial to us on the top floor and probably allowed us to you know, not engage in, in an apartment full of fire when we got up there, which would probably have happened in a tenement-style building or brownstone or a row frame where it would have gotten up there a lot faster. So it did give us extra time in that regard to help remove some of the people and address some of the concerns. Initially, when I came in, I checked in with uh, Chief Fitzgerald and expressed my concern for the top floor. He agreed. He ordered us up to the top floor to help out. I don't think I made it up more than two flights of stairs before he transmitted to me that he wanted to make sure I knew that Firefighter Miller was going to start an evolution with the roof rope. We operate in teams, so we send two people to the roof at all times, and then we'll send two people with me, and then our chauffeur will monitor the fire floor for conditions, but they're there to assist on the fire floor if needed. And, uh, you know, again, critical to allow us to be very aggressive in our capacity looking for those people that were trapped. Yeah, certainly. And uh, it's great to have that flexibility because now you know your two roof members are going over the side having some reinforcements. There are roof duties that have to be taken care of also. So let's speak a bit about it because it was the second new roof firefighter that went over. And uh, just paint a little picture just for our audience where it was in the building. It was an open shaft on the fore side. Maybe explain that a bit. Firefighter Abe Miller, he uh, took the exposure for building, which is the building to the right, and ascended and came over to the fire and building. that's how he gained access he gained, because the aerial ladders were being used They were for being used for the front, front of the building rescues. He teamed up with the first two roof firefighter, 34's firefighter Sosa. They were performing their roof duties, you know, opening up the bulkhead to allow the heat and the gases to escape the building and lessen the top floor as much as they could and the fire floor as well. It was during those operations that they heard screams coming from the shaft. And when they went over there, they saw, as he described, a young person's hand reaching out a window, which turned out to be a bathroom window. When we had first gotten in, 
there was a, a double parked car. And I told my chauffeur, firefighter uh, Gustafson, if you can't put the towel ladder, or can't ladder the building, if you can't get to that side, go to the roof, all right? Uh, get up to the top floor with me or go to the roof. He made a decision similar to Lieutenant Brown in that as he ascended the interior stairs of the building, he decided, I'm going to go to the roof. And actually, it was critical that he was there because he, he did a few things on the roof to help with the uh, roof rope evolution. He was able to be at the parapet and he was be able the guide to, person. He was able to take some tension off the rope as well. Abe got to the, uh, to the bathroom window, and it, it took some doing to get into that window. While he's giving radio transmissions. While he's giving radio <laughs> transmissions, which he initially had transmitted to me while we were searching the top floor apartment. I said, oh boy, we got something here. Abe's going over the roof. And um, yeah, he was great. And he, and he reached out to uh, Chief Fitzgerald as well. He was yeah, clear he, and concise. He, he, gave yeah. me a, he gave me a progress report while he was dangling yeah. off the yeah. roof. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. Don't turn the the mail. He was able to get through not only the tempered glass of the bathroom window, but get through a child guard gate. And inside was a little child and a grandmother who uh, handed out. And she took a ride down to the, uh, to the courtyard, uh, down to the ground floor. Great. All right. So I'm in my mind, I'm trying to keep track of the 1045s. Two out the front that were hanging out the windows upon arrival. Uh, yep. And then the baby, three. Uh, she was five years old. It five would be three. Old. I call baby. Yeah. 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 yeah uh, she's so five she years would old, be third three. one. I went back two days later. We did our multi-unit drill with the first two companies, 84 and 34. We met up with them to do a, a critique of the fire. In so doing, I ran into the grandmother. She was so thankful, and she had asked what firehouse we were from. She sure enough reached out to us and showed up. They brought some flowers, and, and we got to meet her. And she said that, that after she handed off, she still had the bathroom door closed, and that was keeping the smoke out. She initially had tried to get out, but was unable to do so because of the heavy smoke condition. She retreated back to where she had started in that bathroom, and... She waited for the grace of God as she described it to us. And I told her that it was uh, Squad 41 that found her in that, in that uh, bathroom apartment. All right, we're going to move to that next yeah. also. But I want to go back to you. So now you have one person out on the rope, multiple 1045s. What were you thinking at this point? And you can't say, um, I worked the wrong half of the 24. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it was a, there was no break on the handy talkie. Every time you turned around, there was a new transmission. A lot of them were 1045. I just felt like I had just had to get personnel up into the building, up into the top floor. So I'm not sure exactly when the division showed up, but um, I think he got two additional ladder companies on top of what we had there already. From a ladder company assignment, you had a second alarm assignment prior to the, um, being transferred. Yeah, and probably, yeah, at least a second alarm assignment with the truck companies. And the CFRD engines, right? You start we, thinking we about- also decided to use some of the um, like 69 engine helped 80 stretch to the top floor. That line either was used very briefly or not at all. 69 was, wasn't really needed for relief. So we actually pressed them into service to start moving people. And then uh, 93 and 45 were extra units. They were the additional engine and truck. They were sent into the building. So it, it was very hard to keep track of the amount of 1045s. I think some of them might have been repeat customers just yeah. given by other members. Listening to the radio transmission, that's clear. And that happens at every fire. It's, just, it's very important for us to do so. But in the heat of the moment, 
a lot of duplicates. Yeah, up. and then talking to the deputy, I told him, I said, I'm. We'll sort it out. He said, that's exactly what he said to me. We'll sort it out later. The important thing was just to get more resources, more people into the building. All right, good. Rob, I want to go to you now because we left off with the grandma at the window. You ended up in the off apartment. Got the transmission from Chief Fitzgerald that there was a roof up evolution starting and he wanted us to address that. That's when we decided to split that team up. A point that I'd like to make is, you know, at this particular fire, it was very comforting to have Chief Fitzgerald as the incident commander who had a command and presence that was there, but didn't monopolize the radio. And I think it's important that, you know, he let the companies work. He addressed the needs of the companies, right? Conditions, actions, needs. He was listening to that, monitoring it, and it kept the operation at a level that was manageable but yet also very aggressive in addressing these people that were trapped throughout the top floor. And that doesn't happen if 84 and 34 don't operate the way they operate on the fire floor. If they lost control of that fire apartment, Rich can't get up to that floor above fast. He's got to hold back a second. Well, even just as simple as having control of the door, him being able to see the door before they're going up, I mean, that's the most valuable part before you go up. And again, I mean, uh, sometimes the familiarity he called Abe. He addressed yeah. Firefighter Miller as Abe. He says, okay, Abe, you know, and we'd had a fire uh, earlier in the evening. Oh, I'm surprised it took yeah. this long to, to come up, Tom. Uh, oh, I know you want to say that it. night, Brian. What was that? Second two, run? Oh, second second run, job. Second job. Yeah. So, so just another night in the 16th Battalion, yeah, is, right? Yeah, it is yeah. the 16th Battalion, yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, just, just going back, like the communication, you mentioned the door control. 34 was excellent mm-hmm. with their transmissions to me, and obviously everyone else on the fire ground heard it. Control the door, water on the fire, and then he called Lieutenant Davin on the floor above directly and said, just so you know, the fire is out. Yeah. And that kind of dialed everything back a little yeah. bit. So that was that was a great huge transmission. It really was, and and there was no quick way of putting out that amount of fire with that type of stretch. You know, no, it was a long stretch. Yeah, the nozzle firefighter in '84, they said, was a, a beast of a man. He just <laughs> they opened up the door, Big guy, and he, he just went. opened up the line and just never stopped moving. And they asked him when it met him. Says as soon as they opened the door, it yeah. met us. It was throughout the flat. Yeah, yeah. Did eighty-four engine did yeah. tremendous yeah. job with this fire. But again, I just want to talk about how you knew he was in a bad spot—a fifth floor fire in a sixth story. Sometimes the benefit of these buildings is a lower floor fire. Floors above, there's a lot of room for the smoke to go. But in this one, it created a lot of problems because it's just one floor and it's a heavy load of fire. So I really contributed to those uh, conditions on the floor above. When the floor above is the top floor, it's a much different fire than when the floor above is just a regular floor in a building because fire doesn't just spread up, it spreads up and out and throughout the apartment. And we've unfortunately lost a few firefighters over the years at top floor fires and off apartments. Very important for us to be aware of that too. The top floor is a unique place to be on a floor above when you're in a fire like this. Now we got three 1045s. Right. One member already went over the roof. Yep. Now you make your way into the off apartment, which turns out to be an overcrowded apartment. There Correct. Were, yeah. How many so people we, live in there? we had the apartment that was directly above the fire, 65. So 66 was being covered by 23 truck. And again, listening to the transmissions, listening to Lieutenant Davern. So my thought is they're not in that spot where he's looked because I know that he's touching every corner of that apartment at least twice. 
And so there was an apartment straight ahead, which was the off apartment. And that was the apartment where there was an SRO type apartment. And there was people trapped. There also was reports as we were ascending the stairs of people hanging out the windows in the rear. And so what I did was I split my inside team into two. I sent my canned firefighter into the apartment that was next to they were all three doors were in the right area. I sent him in there. He popped the door, went inside there. And then my Irons firefighter, firefighter Kirschman, I ordered him to force that door. And when we popped that door, the you know, it was banked down in the apartment and we started to search. And not knowing that that was the apartment where any of this roof rope rescue was happening, I actually thought it was going to be in the apartment where I had sent firefighter Blackwell in. Uh, to check, which turned out that there was nobody trapped in that apartment. So when we went in, we started a search. It was like a, a apartment that had a real long, about a 40-foot hallway, somewhere in that yeah, range which there. Which is common in those. Uh, right, yeah, big. And then there was rooms off it. And then there was a small little hallway. And when we got in about 15 feet in, off to the left, and I could hear commotion. And again, getting reports that people were trapped. I stopped. I talked to Firefighter Kirschman. I said, go down this hallway, force that door, and see what's going on down there. Somebody's in there. So he went down. He popped the door, got into the bathroom, did a search, and came upon the bathtub and a pair of legs. Body was half out the window. The person was in the arms of Firefighter Castro. So the roof team, Firefighter Angerson and Firefighter Castro, who was only in the company for two weeks, nothing like trial by fire. And he also had to fire with 30 truck. His first tour in the company was when 30 truck did a roof evolution. So I told him when we finished the fire, said to him, I said, don't worry, kid, it gets busier in the winter. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, he did an excellent job, uh, you know, really coming into the fray right there. He leaned over and was watching the child and uh, firefighter Miller going all the way to the floor being lowered. And he saw the woman would appear that she was trying to jump out of the window. And so he turned to firefighter Ingerson, who was part of my roof team, and said, you know, the woman's trying to jump out the window. She's hanging out the window. And firefighter Ingerson, without hesitation, said, clip in, dropped the bag, flipped over. They started the evolution in concert with firefighter Miller being lowered to the ground in the shaft. So, so it was that technically, quick. Was, yeah, technically. We had almost had two people on we had rope two pe We had two people on rope at the same time. And it was a top floor window, so Firefighter Castro went down on the rope, gets to the window, tries to calm the woman down, and she wanted out. Simultaneously, and unbeknownst to the victim and the Firefighter Castro, we started our forcing our way into the apartment, and that's when Firefighter Kirschman gets to the window, finds her, He's able to communicate with her, talk to Firefighter Castro, and he decides, based upon the way she is, she was profusely bleeding. He thought that the smartest move is that we bring her inside the window. Oh, he's While he's on rope, he's communicating to me that as I'm going down that 40-foot hallway, that there are two more people that he can see hanging out a window towards the front of the building, which allowed me to get a little more aggressive in my search, which turned out to be set up like an SRO. Every, every door that I encountered in that apartment, I had to force in order to get to these back rooms and you had to go through a bedroom to get to another bedroom. And I did a search of the bedroom, but I could hear noise. And then I opened up a door thinking maybe someone was hiding in a closet. And it turned out to be this bedroom where I went around, searched. I come up to the window and there's two people there. And I, I knew I kind of had to move them out of the room fast if I wanted to get them out without assistance. I started to move them out of the bedroom itself. And I could hear 
noise behind me. And I, I said, stay right here. I'll be right back. And I went back into the room and searched around the bed again and went just past where they were. And there was a woman that was laying unconscious. Yeah, so that's a 610 right? So, right? Yeah. And then when I went down to assess her, the two guys came back into the room and they were back at the window. They wouldn't leave the window again. So it, it was at that point I knew I needed help. And that's when I transmit that I had the three 1045s in the back bedroom, which turned out to be towards the front bedroom, but back from the entrance of the apartment. Uh, Firefighter Kirschman handed off his victim to Captain Murphy of Rescue 3 and allowed him and Firefighter Blackwell and then Firefighter Smith also came up from the fire floor to assist me in removal of the three victims. And then that allowed me to go into that front room where 34 Trucks OV was, who had another victim that he didn't remove earlier that he found, and he had him at the window and... I just confirmed with him that he was okay and he didn't need any assistance. He said he was fine. He was going to try and remove out of the fire escape. And that's when I was able to communicate to uh, Chief Fitzgerald that in the off apartment, all of the rooms had been checked. And besides those 1045s that, you know, we had everybody that we thought was missing or trapped in that apartment. So. Squad 4 wants to command. You got three 1045s, apartment 65 on the top floor. One semi-conscious. Two, uh, they're about to go down. How about coordination with EMS? We got them into the lobby. They had uh, plenty of personnel on hand. And um, I think in the A wing of the top floor, there were they went down as 1045s, mm -hmm. but they ended up just sheltering them in place and brought them down. So I think the total was something like 14 overall, but yeah. Six maybe seven or eight that were severely exposed. Yeah, severely exposed. All right, well, that's awesome. How about some takeaways? To trigger a higher alarm, I tend to focus more on fire spread. In this case, the amount of 1045s that were showing up, it happened fast. So just don't be locked in on fire spread to trigger your higher alarm. It could be amount of victims. That yeah. How about you, Rob? What do you think? Being able to operate in teams really allowed us to address two areas of this operation that we otherwise might not have been able to address as quickly. If I only send one firefighter to the roof so that firefighter can't go over on a rope unless the chauffeur from 23 breaks off from what he was doing. The other thing is I think just getting resources up there is important. I always use the term smart aggressive, right? Getting into position, monitoring the conditions, and acting when it's necessary is how you become that superior firefighter and you take your operation to the next level. Uh, Rich? First and foremost, uh, we always start every tour by hoping that we finish that tour. We had a tour some years ago that I worked as well where we lost a, a member of 69 Engine, Mike Davidson, at a, uh, a very, very... Uh, very difficult fire. So first and foremost, we want to go home with all our members. And we want to get the job done. And when I first came on the job, uh, I had an older uh, member uh, describe uh, a fire as being organized chaos. And to try to get through that, it's teamwork. And if everybody knows where they're going to be, and if you can kind of play off what the other members are doing, that day Squad 41 acted as a second truck on, on the floor above. We needed squad up there, and it all worked out well. And everybody survived this fire. Maybe there was 14 uh, 1045s, but there were six or seven or eight that were really Seriously in trouble. Seriously in peril. Yeah, and, and you know what? I'm just so proud specifically of Firefighter Miller of 23 Truck. He's a humble man, and uh, he didn't hesitate. He didn't hesitate at all to go over that roof. He knew what he had to do. It is the most practiced but the least used evolution that we train on in the New York City Fire Department, the FDNY. But... They didn't hesitate, uh, both members that went over. And I'm proud of all my members because any one of them would have done it. 
And it's just satisfying and gratifying that, you know, everything worked out as well as they did. From the top down with Chief Fitzgerald and his uh, command of the fire to, uh, to all, all the companies that operated this fire, everybody did a great job. I said at the outset, this is why I like these podcasts. So much to learn. Uh, I think it has a, a lot of value hearing the stories, how it went down. I have less time than both these guys. 25 years. I've never been at a job with roof rope rescue. It's just so infrequent. Tom, I, yeah, thir- you coming never up on 34. Now you have two this, people this on was, a rope. This was my first. <laughs> and you were yeah. running it. Yeah. Less. yeah. I appreciate you guys taking the time, sharing your experience. You should all be commended. It went terrific. A success by any measure. Thanks, well, for, having thanks for having us. Thank you. In. Thanks for listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast. For more training and information from our subject matter experts, go to fdnypro.org. FDNY Pro is online at fdnypro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest.